and welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. We're on season four, episode number 14. Tonight's episode is songs, songs edition, Andy. Yes. We're going to talk music, albums, songs, concerts, tours, all sorts of fun stuff. Today is February 16th, 2023. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. Getting ready well, for big, got, big music weekend coming up here, so. It's, it's. That time, of, you know, busy here in the Midwest and the weekends, indoor music festivals. Outdoor doesn't quite start yet. It's it's February, a little chilly, but a lot of indoor venues are getting yeah. busy, busy, busy. We have album three in our four albums set tonight. Well, what we're doing is we're doing a, a Rolling a Stones album, album review, yeah. Rolling Stones. We're going to be covering today their 15th studio album called black and blue now if you have the cd at home it does uh it does fold up to see the whole group. look at that the whole group now i have to preface it andy i've never had this album i've never listened to this album but here it is here rolling stones black and blue you know that's that's why you're not your mom's favorite by the way 1976 uh in fact, I double-checked uh, with her. She didn't have it either. Really? Well, this is one of those, you know, they were big in, you know, the 60s, uh, the Stones. And then <clears> yeah. a little bit, 80s, kind of a resurgence. But this is kind of in the middle, and, and music didn't really have a, a home. And so they found themselves doing a little kind of disco, little yeah, this is a different era, yeah, little blues. And it's, it's kind of called the album that kind of got left behind. Most don't remember it. But, boy, if you go to the Wikipedia or the YouTube and, and go through and listen to this like I did this week and read the comments, this is one of the most underrated albums in Rolling Stone's catalog. A lot oh, wow. of great, great musical work. Not not songs you hear on the, on the radio per se, but some musical gems. Uh, this was released April 1976. The album was recorded first after guitarist Mick Taylor quit the band in December 1974. So Mick, Mick Taylor leaves. Rolling Stones have always had two guitarists, two, uh, mm -hmm. two, two leads, uh, Keith Richards and Mick Taylor. So as they did with the previous time, they were between guitarists. Well, back Even in, back in 68 when they had this issue, Keith Richards recorded a bulk of the guitar works himself. Though the album... Though the album recording sessions also served as an audition for Taylor's new replacement. And so what they did on this album, Keith Richards says, is that they rehearsed guitar players. That's kind of what they did on this album. They brought in session guys. They brought in different people to appear on the album, much like what the Foo Fighters have done recently on some of, yep. their, some of their things. They bring in some other, other folks, and it actually helps sell the records. Um, they had uh, Wayne Perkins appear, Harvey Mandel, Ronnie Wood. You know, uh, Ronnie Wood was on the previous album for the Stones, appearing on the title track, or It's Only Rock and Roll, uh, and became actually a touring temp touring member, a temporary touring member in all of 75 after Mick Taylor quit. So as they released the album and they toured, it was Ronnie Wood playing there uh, on stage and became an official member in 1976. Charlie Watts, the drummer, and bassist Bill Wyman uh, appear on nearly all the tracks. Um, they also have some you know, keyboardists. 
piano work on this album and, and whatnot. The Glimmer Twins produced it. You know, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards were known as the Glimmer Twins. Did you know that, Andy? Yes, as opposed to Toxic Twins from Aerosmith. Oh, yes. Yeah. So these are the Glimmer Twins. They said, well, you know, recorded ourselves or produce it ourselves. It um, it showed this album showed the band blending a traditional rock and roll style with heavily influences from reggae and funk. And only one single from the album was really released, Fool to Cry. And that is the only one that really had any significant chart success. The reception to this album was mixed. And it's you know, I listened to it a few times, and it's got some good stuff on it. It's, it's very different. It's not a typical rock record. So here's what they've got. Here's the track listings. Hot Stuff. The song uh, Hand of Fate is a very good, underrated song. Cherry Old Baby is a cover song written by Eric Donaldson. They covered that. Uh, that's pretty good. Memory Motel is a song, a very rare song that uh, Richards and uh, Mick Jagger both lead do lead vocals. They share lead vocals on Memory very Motel. Rare. rare song. That's a seven minutes. Goes very long uh, compared to typical two to three minute Rolling Stone songs. An album like this where they didn't have much really to go on, they they let them um, lengthen out some of these songs and just kind of go. It's got a jam session kind of a feel to this album. Next song is song five is Hey Negrita. That's inspired, inspired by Ron Wood. Very good song. Melody inspired by Billy Preston. Song six, Fool to Cry. Seven and Crazy Mama. Eight. They've got Eight songs, Andy. Um, four are real bluesy. Yep. The other four are kind of reggae, funk, disco was kind of in the mix back then. Yep. It pertained to a real black audience, uh, some would say. Many folks in the black audience, uh, the, the, the listeners, said this is a phenomenal album. They were playing this, I read in the comments section, was all over in the club scene in the 70s. Clubs, music, dance, the beats in the, the there wasn't hip hop back then, but it kind right. of the the title of the album Black and Blue. A lot of a lot of songs that were bluesy for the blue side of things, a lot of songs meant really directed toward the black audience, kind of have a black feel to the soul music on some of these other songs. That's where they get the black and blue from. Here's the personnel, Andy. Mick Dagger, of course, Keith Richards, of course, Bill Wyman bass, Charlie Watts drums. And you may have some information on uh, some of these other ones, but you know there's additional personnel with Billy Preston playing piano, organ, percussion, synthesizer, electric piano, Nicky Hopkins, organ, synthesizer, piano, Harvey Mandel, not Howie Mandel, but Harvey. Not Howie, no. Wayne Perkins, Ronnie Wood, some very good musicians on this album. Ollie Brown, Ian Stewart. There's a horn section on a couple of the songs. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by going through and listening to this. It takes a couple listens to really let it grow on you, but it's a very soothing, uh, soothing album. Now, the history. They returned to Munich, Germany to record this, where they recorded their previous album, It's Only Rock and Roll. Now, I didn't know that either, Andy. Uh, yeah. Munich, Germany was, a, was you know, the hotbed back then. And they had played in the in Rotterdam, Netherlands, um, 
brought on some of these folks. Even Jeff Beck was in. Yep. They went over for a, for a jam with the band to see what was going on, but he declined interest in joining the group uh, as he was happy with um, his career. Uh, Roy, Rory Gallagher as well said, no, we're happy with our solo careers. We'll come and jam with you guys, though. Tell us where you're at. We'll come and jam during the sessions. Um, they weren't included, I don't think, in any of the final recordings, but Jeff Beck says, you know, in the two hours I got to play, they gave me three chords to play. I need, quote, a little more energy than that. Yeah. <laughs> and Rory Gallagher, just right there, I wrote down Rory Gallagher, there's um, Oasis, not that Gallagher family. Rory Gallagher was okay. different from a rock band uh, called Taste from 1966. Uh, blues rock trio called Taste. So, well, yeah, because you are also a big fan of the blues. How did you like this album, Andy? I, I really do like it. It's got a lot of, like I said, the blues sound to it. And really, when you say the black and blue, you can't really say the blues without having the black influence, if you will, from, from jazz and from others. Not jazz, but blues. Uh, jazz are kind of the same. They get mixed in a lot. Guys like Jeff Beck, Rory Gallagher, Clapton, um, Hendrix. All kind of did a bluesy type guitar. Um, McMars and Motley Crue was very bluesy. Um, so you hear a lot of that in here. You you don't associate Keith Richards with being a blues guitarist very much. So I think a lot of these other guys influenced or helping in there. Uh, like Wayne Perkins was in on it. Um, uh, Peter Frampton. I'm not a big fan of Frampton, but he was in there. So a lot of names came in and really influenced. You got a lot of different feels for it, which I really loved that about the album. It was kind of like listening to uh, one of those, um, what's we're looking for? Uh, we order the album on TV and it's got all the different bands on it, you know? Oh, yeah, like the classics, of, the KTEL. KTEL, that's the word, thank you. It felt kind of like that was all the different guitarists that chipped in. It felt kind of like a KTEL album in a way, but with the same lead singer. Yeah, so, I, got, uh, I got a lot of. Really good information. Just reading the comments on these songs that came uh, as as I went through each of the songs, the comments and people to this day listening to this sixty years later, yeah. it's it's unreal. The uh, and most of the comments were the same by saying that this has been so underrated and not talked about as much. But the more you listen to it, the better it gets, and it really grows on you. This became a really popular. I mean, it only went platinum, but. It, uh, you know, 41 minutes, 24 seconds. It's considered hard rock, blues rock, disco, funk rock, reggae rock, and soul. They cover all the bases. That's what I mean. It covered everything on this album. So it's, uh, I was, uh, you know, once again, very interesting. Now, in typical Rolling Stones fashion, they needed some press, some publicity, of course. And so this album, like I said, is really directed toward black and blue as far as. <coughs> The type of music but of course they had a billboard on the hollywood sunset that had a uh, uh was it a half nude um gal beat up with bruises and she said i listened to rolling stones so often it made me black and blue now that drew the ire of yeah. women activist groups that were talking about violence violence right. to women and there was protests being done because of this billboard because i got black and blue but listening to the Rolling Stones album, Black and Blue. And it shows her with bruise marks and, and whatnot all over her body. We know that it had nothing to do, but the press that it generated was genius. 
Pardon oh. my language right here, right now. It was 1976. It started off. If you farted, people protested about it. Okay, so it was just an excuse to protest. There, I'll get yeah, off my. They did box. it, and I don't know who picked it or how they got it. Uh, you know how they went about getting that ad up there, but they knew. Oh, that was all they do it. Yeah, it would cause a big outcry. Yeah, kind of like some of the stuff Gene Simmons with Kiss did. Loved to draw and push the buttons. He wanted to push the buttons. Yeah, because that, of course, um, that gets more press. Doesn't have to be good. It could be no. negative press, but press is still press. press and that's what gets it. So, you know, they had Rolling Stones, of course, had many other uh, huge um, songs, huge albums, but this is, um, you know, very, very interesting. Now, the, the other thing I've got for this, which I didn't know until reading the liner notes, of course, but uh, let me bring it up here. Well, you look at some of the reviews on it, too, like you said, uh, Village Voice gave it an A minus. And some were some were very negative reviews. Some were very good. Uh, another record guy gave it A minus, six out of ten, three out of five, seven out of ten. So it was a better than average album, according to a lot of people. So that's, and I've said it before about other albums, but this is again another good one for sitting around the fire this summer, having a few friends over, drinks, background music. You know, it's a, it's a very good, it's a soothing. Album album it's really yeah. mellow yeah it's a good background album now what i found out what they did the uh they flew to um uh, sanibel island in florida to do the cover work uh, artwork and and so this photo taken of the band on the island in sanibel uh, i've been down there uh, before but look there at this image here it's right there on the island in florida uh, I didn't know that, but this was 1976 and probably was not that popular back then. But Sanibel mm -hmm. Island, that's where the photo was taken for the cover art for the artwork here for this uh, for this album. All right. Do you have anything else, Andy, on uh, the Rolling Stones, 1976? Yeah, I do have a couple things. Um, just a second here. Let me get my notes here. Here we go. The Rolling Stones, actually, I'm going to do some little, little Stones history here. They, Excelsior used to have an amusement park. The Excelsior Amusement Park. And the Stones played there at the dance room, uh, which hosted acts like Lawrence Welk, Tommy Dorsey, the Beach Boys, the Stones. Legend has it that a visit by the Rolling Stones in June of 64 inspired the lyrics to a song so you can't always get what you want. A chance meeting between Mick Jones and a local character, Mr. Jimmy, Jimmy Hutmaker, gave Ray rise to the story which has never been verified. Now, I'll, I'll get back to that. Now, the Accessory Amusement Park closed in 73 and was demolished soon thereafter. The park's owners then purchased land in Scott County at a new venue now called Valley Fair, which opened oh. in 76. Um, in fact, the old um, wooden roller coaster at Valley Fair is the same one from Excelsior. It is, okay. The white one. Okay. Maynard's oh. restaurant Excelsior now is where um, the same land that the amusement park was on. Let me get to a little bit here about Mr. Jimmy. Um, I grew up in Excelsior. I knew Mr. Jimmy. Everybody in Excelsior knew Mr. Jimmy. Um, the story goes, uh, let's see if I can find it here. According to legend, in his uh, conspiracy town ambassador, uh, Jimmy was at the concert. Um, the next day, Mick Jagger was having a prescription filled at Bacon Drugstore. In Excelsior, it's not there anymore, but there was a bank and drug store, which I've been to again. 
Okay. And at the time, it was a drugstore, pharmacy, and had a little cafe in it where you could get a burger and a soda like you had back in the day. It was like that till the 80s. It was still there. Uh, he met Huntmaker there. Huntmaker complimented Mag Jagger that he had ordered a cherry Coke but had received a regular Coke instead. Then dismayed by his compliment, saying, you can't always get what you want. Five years later on their 1969 album, Let It Bleed, the Stones released a song called You Can't Always Get What You Want and reference a drugstore, a cherry soda, a prescription, and Mr. Jimmy, which was Jimmy Huntmaker's nickname in town, all appeared in the song. It is also told that Huntmaker had just ordered, had just happened to be ill, as in the song, a shorter version on the B-side, the ill man. It was the B-side to Honky Tonk Women in 1969. It was named the 100th greatest song of all time by Rolling Stone magazine in 2004, 500 greatest songs of all time. Huntmaker's business card had the lyrics to the song printed on the back side. Jimmy um, had some mental issues. We'll just, I'm not going to get into the bits on that. Everybody loved Jimmy in town. He was, he'd go to the convenience stores in town. And next thing you know, you'd see two empty sandwich wrappers over there and an empty cup from Pop. No one said boo. That just, it was fine. Um, no one cared. He'd go to the Pizza Hut and he'd have like a set of five chairs around the table. Well, in the winter, it's cold like that here. He'd have like four or five jackets on. So he had a jacket in each chair. And Jimmy would be having a hoot of a conversation with himself. <laughs> and people that leave would give him a slice of pizza. And he'd stop his conversation and go, Well, thank you. Jimmy was always nice to everybody. But Jimmy would not take handouts. I mean, he, he, he thank you for the pizza, but you couldn't just go up and give him 20 bucks. He'd sell you one of his cigar, cigars for 20 bucks, though. So everybody would buy a cigar from Jimmy. Um, he, like I said, sandwiches he'd eat. No one really cared. It was his thing. His brother used to take him around, uh, Ralph. Then once Ralph passed away, uh, other people in town took up the responsibility of getting Jimmy from place to place for errands. The story is, was Mr. Jimmy the... Legend of the song was it about him? Um, some people say the Stones' producer at the time was Jimmy Miller, and that's who it was. Me being from Excelsior, I'm going to vote for Mr. Jimmy. Yes, and you have what? to. If and if it's not, it's a great story. Run with it. Um, urban legend is until Jimmy passed. Every time the Stones were in town, they left tickets for him at the will call window. Okay. Now, of course, Jimmy never went, but it, <clears throat> there was that urban legend. So you can look up Mr. Jimmy. Jimmy Hotmaker has his own Wikipedia page. You can find all the information on there. You're there to talk to any from, anyone from Excelsior. I also know on uh, Good Sources, that 1964 concert at the park, I think the term used it sucked they were not accepted very well because again Lawrence smoke played there tommy dorsey played there now here come the stones you know in 64 who are you people you know so they kind of got a not a very good reception from some people some liked it don't get me wrong but some people were like this is what is this long-haired british group doing here so yes it was mixed emotions and maybe we'll get some comments in this section. Yeah, here. I do have to Excelsior. I can back me on this to the new Mr. Jimmy, please. 
please don't make me look stupid saying yes jimmy was a nice guy the other song i liked uh is is memory motel seven yeah. minutes long a great song it's kind of a uh love song embedded within a life on the road kind of a tale that that they both sing you know um uh, mick jagger and keith richards but that's a real hotel, uh, motel there in Long Island called Memory Motel that actually took place there. And um, there are some pictures of that as a, a small little rundown motel that actually uh, does exist. They say that's what the song is uh, linked to. Uh, many also say that the, the love story there that takes place um, could relate to Carly Simon. The girl in the the girl talking about that Mick Jagger's talking about there with his romance that summer at the Memory Motel is indeed really written about Carly Simon. And finally, she has a song called "You're So Vain," which could be about Mick Jagger. Yes. So lots of things going on here, but a, a very good song. But this album, boy, you listen to it a couple times, it will start to grow on you. Some good stuff. Uh, I've never before listened to the whole album uh, ever until here this uh, this last week. So. Any other thoughts on Rolling Stones, or should we go to uh, some updates for you? I got some other music stuff here. Other music? Yes. Let's, let's hit some concerts, local concerts. Free Fallen is playing, yes, at the Old Log Theater in Excelsior this Saturday. $25. Now we have, uh, we've talked about this in the past, so that's coming up this Saturday. But what I hope, Andy, is that this kind of takes off. This Old Log Theater would yep. be a great venue. Yep. On nice a big stage venue. for music to come in there and uh, get some uh, sell some tickets at the old yeah. log. Okay, also at the old log coming up April fourteenth, the Folsom Prison Prison Experience. Okay, it's a fun semi immersive drama. So it's kind of like those interactive plays, like Tony and Tina's Wedding type of stuff. Oh yes. Uh, there is high intensity. This is all straight off the old log page. I'm not that well-versed on the English language to write these big words. Um, so you kind of are going to go in, doors open, and you'll know that you're not in Kansas anymore. The sights, the sounds, you'll feel like you're in the Folsom prison for the concert. Now, I don't think you got to come in costume. You don't have to come in your orange to watch, but it's going to have that type of atmosphere. So that, to me, might be kind of fun. 50 bucks VIP seating, $35 not. Mm -hmm. uh, that should be quite the experience. Yes. Yeah. So that should be kind of an interesting show there. Garth is a tribute band doing Garth Brooks songs at the Music Room in St. Michael. Again, another small venue, February 18th, 730, if you're into the Garth Brooks music. Do you know anything about the concert, Dan? You heard oh, me? yes. I've got my ticket. You got your ticket? We'll have a full review next Thursday. Yeah, I'll be there. I've never gone to the bowl there in Shakopee, but boy – Seeing uh, Megadeth and Iron Maiden uh, play both tribute bands yeah. back to back at a small venue like that, uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Get some pictures. Jimmy, Jimmy plays guitar for both of those bands. Yeah, and here are the Shaw Brothers will be at the Bowl coming up February twenty fifth. And I just posted on uh, social media before we came on the Shaw Brothers going to be uh, at uh, Floyd's on Victoria coming up too. Floyd's, so. I saw the post. Great. The Bulls also going to have a 90s jukebox. It's called kind of a 90s tribute band. So if you're into that sort of music, it looks like it's everybody on there. Anyone who recorded something in the 90s are going to have. So if you're into that, that's March love. at the Bowl. Yes. 
And here I know it's got late in the late coming up here, but this is out at the Dodge House in Lester Prairie. This Saturday, bingo at four, meet raffle six, the Isaiah Mueller Trio. And also, it's Isaiah's birthday that day. Come on down and buy him a drink. Awesome. Have a good time. They're a good group. That's what I got there. I got also some birthdays. Let's go oh. over birthdays on this day, February 16th, birthdays. Okay. First of all, we got Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. Um, 62. Andy Taylor right now, he announced beginning of the year, has stage four prostate cancer. Okay. Um, that's why he was not at the Hall of Fame inductions for them and everything else. Um, he's plugging along, doing the best he can. Was it, it was, well as, oh, I guess I should finally go to the doctor. Stage four prostate cancer. So thoughts for Andy Taylor. Good thoughts and prayers out for him. Um, I'm just kind of thinking of this great band we'd have together now. So you got Andy Taylor. Ice T, who's 65 today. Congressman Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono. Republican congressman from California. Also, he was uh him and this gal shared it a bit for a while. So He'd have been 88 today. Sonny Bono. And the gal in the lower corner. We're keeping it local here today. That's Patty Andrews of the Andrews Sisters. Oh, yes. Born in Mound, Minnesota. Local. Yep. Uh, her and her sisters did a lot of work downtown. Um, they worked during silent movies. Her one sister would play piano at the, or at the uh, Orpheum Theater to the silent movies, and they do singing down there. If you're going, the Andrew Sisters, that name sounds familiar. They did the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy and the Beer Barrel Polka are two of their more known songs. Okay, but uh, some more local stuff we got. Andrew Sisters from Mound, the Excelsior Amusement Park. Mr. Jimmy. Mr. Stone. Jimmy. The Stone. <clears throat> I, Ice T, I think, has heard of Minnesota. I mean, you know. So there, that that's what I got. That's all the news that's fit to print from this end. Um, I kind of like, you know, the Andrew Sisters. It kind of reminds me of stuff listening to with my mom growing up. Kind of brings back a few memories. So if you listen to that sort of thing every now and then, yes, it does. Um, it's some good you stuff. You know, hear the boogie boogie bugle boy. It's hard it to is, say. It's, it's good. It's boogie it boogie is good boogie. stuff. So uh, I'll provide an update here on the concert after Saturday night uh, to see the Megadeth uh, Darkest Hour, made in Minneapolis. Yep, and uh, oh, Iron Maiden cover band called Maiden Minneapolis, and. Um, a Megadeth tribute band called Darkest Hour. Hold on one second. Come here, buddy. Yes. So we'll see that. Uh, give a review of that location. The Shakopee Bowl is getting a lot of good venues. Uh, uh, it's a great venue. A lot of good acts coming there and, and playing. Um, so that's Saturday. And so we'll have an update here for next uh, next Thursday on the show. Anything Shadow wants to say hi. Shadow wants to say hi. From this week... Uh, uh, we're, we're next week. We'll wrap up our album review for the month of February, which has yeah, we've, we've done black and blue by the Rolling Stones. Um, what was the Alice in Chains when we did last week? What was it blue? Uh, deepest, uh, black, and, black, black and blue turns into blue. Yeah. Deepest yep. blues are black or something like that. Yep. And then um, the group of black and blue, we did their first one. So it's, Allison Chains Black Gives Way to Blue and yep. then the band Black and Blue. So that's the 
that's the history of the last three weeks. We'll do one more um, album, and then we get into the month of March. March Madness. We'll come up with a different theme. Maybe who knows? We'll see how it goes. But right. have a good week, everyone. All right. Talk to you later. See Bye. Bye. Bye.